Hello, I'm Maya Brown, and this is Stories from the Brink. This podcast is about giving voice to personal stories of overcoming challenges in life with grace and humor. Because stories bring us together, and together we all win. Today's episode is about a career-related challenge that Franklin Sermons, director of the Perez Art Museum in Miami, faced at the beginning of his career when he was offered the job of news editor at Flash Art in Milan and had to move there from New York City at a moment's notice. Prior to the Perez, Franklin was department head and curator at Los Angeles County Museum of Art, LACMA, curator at the Menil Collection in Houston, and curatorial advisory committee member at PS1. He's also been awarded the David C. Driscoll Prize. It is so nice to have you here, Franklin. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Maya. It's so good to see you and to hear you. It's awesome to be with you. Awesome to be with you too. I'm really well. Um, I was thinking the other day about ancient history when we were young back in New York and something really amazing that happened to you. So this is like, this is like the mid nineties. Was this like the mid nineties or the early nineties? I can't even remember. I think it was the mid nineties. Call it mid. Let's yeah, call it mid nineties. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We were like, we like, we were like on our second jobs out of school kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Kind of starting to get serious, starting to, starting to like have an actual job. Right. So you were working, were you working with at the Whitney at that time or what were you doing before this opportunity came up? So right before I was actually at Dia Center for the Arts and I had right. been there for three years. And right before that was really more of a freelance and quote unquote independent, um, which included work at the Whitney. Right. Um, but prior to that, my first real job would have been Shearson Lehman American Express, which was totally different. Wow. Where totally we different. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. So, okay. So you're at Dia. Dia's in Chelsea, right? At that time, it was on 22nd Street. 22nd, yeah. over by the West Side Highway. Beautiful, like, beautiful space. Like, dream job. Dream job, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you love New York, and all your friends are around, and, like, all this stuff. And then, out of the blue, what happens? Someone called you and said, like, we need you to come to Milan? What happened? So as part of working at DIA, I was in the publications department, not curatorial, but publications. And right. really, as, as you and I spoke about a lot at that time, really writing was kind of the, the passion and um, started writing about art shows for Flash Art in 95, I think, and had done a few reviews um, for them, you know, 300 word pieces. Um, right. when this opportunity came along and wow. I was quite close to Francesco Bonami, who was kind of their leader, if you will, in, in the United States and him being from Italy, he was the bridge to the magazine and it's in its home base, really, although he lived in New York. So that's how I got to know the magazine was through him. And he's a genius and, and, and a wonderful curator who did the Venice Biennial, maybe eight years ago um, mm -hmm. and somebody I've just admired then and continue to admire now. Well, that's great. So it was a great relationship. Yeah. So he calls you and says what? 
You know, it, it, it was kind of matter of fact, like, would you be interested in moving to Milan to work for the magazine? And I, I have to say, I mean, for that time, I had a pretty good job. You did. You yeah. had a great job. It paid well. Yeah. yeah. The, they paid well for museums. It was great. It was yeah. Great. Got to be around a lot of like amazing artists and writers and super fun. That was awesome. Yeah. So what made you decide that you were going to go for it? Maya, to this day, I don't know. Um, I would say my father was really encouraging. And that was okay. the last kind of like, that was kind of the last piece of the puzzle after I thought through everything and spoke to friends and did a little teeny tiny bit of research, you know, pre-Google right. research. Right. <laughs> like, you don't really know, which is probably the best part. So you like called a couple of friends who've like spent time in Milan. You're like, what's the deal? Yeah, basically. Okay. And, okay. and when you say spent time, that means, yeah, vacation. For On vacation, week. right. So you really don't know. That's the beautiful thing about that that time in some ways. Sounded fascinating enough, but my father thought, okay, like in terms of a learning experience, it's not like you're in graduate school or anything. You only have an undergraduate degree. So why not get a different kind of experience? True. True. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So you basically, how long did you have between the time you got the offer and when you had to show up and actually be there? Oh my gosh, I think it was about two months, um, probably between July and September. Right. And I remember pretty well because it was like the Olympics had just happened in Atlanta. And shortly thereafter, this idea came up and then I, you know, thought about it and somehow over the course of a month or so decided, okay, this is going to happen for better or worse. Okay. So the next thing you know, you're on the plane. Well, well, one, one thing, I mean, I, I also like, I think I had a living girlfriend at that point. So yeah. What about that? I was complicated. Um, oh dear. But what the hell? We, as you said, we were all, we were all, we were young. Gently extract yourself from yeah. that. Yeah. And then, then you're on the plane. And how are you feeling on the plane? How are you well, feeling? Talk about the difference between then and now. I'll never forget it. Right? I was on a tower air flight, right? Tower, which awesome. is probably the equivalent of Frontier now or something like that, or Spirit. Right. And and so Tower Air all the way to Europe. The thing that I remember most about that flight, and I, I have a feeling I was in a middle seat. It was pretty awful. Um, but the thing I would never forget is the whole flight, the whole back of the plane, completely a puff of smoke because you could smoke on the airplane. Exactly. And it was all European and it was it was a cloud right. the whole way. Like so hard to fathom now. But yeah. Isn't that that's funny? Crazy. Ooh, crazy. That was your first kind of like, there's going to be a different yeah. culture. You're going somewhere oh, totally yeah. different. The back of the plane yeah. is smoky. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. All right. So you get there, have you, and you've never been to Milan? Have you ever been to Milan on vacation no, or anything? I've never been to Italy at all. Okay. So you get there. What was it like trying to set up a life there? Having, no, did you speak no. Italian? I mean, I never, you know, the, the first, 
the first real instance of that was like going into the, the the supermarket next door and asking for what you thought was a quarter pound of cheese and somebody coming back with this huge real barrel. And what you were really asking for was like four something grams. <laughs> it was like, oh no. Oh no. What did you do? Did I, you just take no, the huge I, wheel I of cheese? Some, somehow no. went like this. Yeah. You negotiated like, yeah, total hand signals. signals. Okay. So I remember that, that the, that the, like the job also came with like an apartment, right? So you didn't have to find a place to live. So that's good. Right. Or maybe it's I mean, not. In some ways, exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. In some ways it's great. In some ways it's really okay. So the apartment was directly on top of the offices. Um, the comforting thing, the one, like the other bridge, not having to find your own place was that this position of news editor had been um, held by other English speaking people because you're the only person in the entire office okay. who speaks English native tongue. Although the magazine is in both Italian and English, everybody in the office is Italian except for you, who, who was that one kind of Czech, you know, the one Czech. Um, Why? Uh, because that's who's there. And uh, that was the foundation of the entire enterprise was that they had this incredible network before emails or anything like that, all by phone and fax, where they knew somebody all over the world and they could get them to fax articles and it worked some way, somehow it worked. But that was the experience. But that wow. also meant that I there was a woman there bef before me. Um, her name is Jen Budney. And she had the position at the time. And God, luckily, fortunately, she stayed on for a good period of time. Oh, after. good. So that, that was yeah, so You were totally on no, your own. Not totally, but, right. you know. You had sort of yeah, a tour guide. A little, bit, a little bit. So what was the craziest part of that transition for you? So the first week, right, I, I, I guess the apartment wasn't ready. So I had to stay in this massive kind of barnyard like I don't know what to call it um suite let's call it a suite downstairs in that this courtyard nice. building yeah not terrible and the neighborhood is wonderful I still go there every couple of years um but at the time like it was it was a little bed in the middle of this cavernous room and that was it and a kitchen oh, no. and a bathroom and some way somehow I met an artist who I was supposed to be writing about. His name is Pascal Martin Tayu, and he happened to be in town for a week. And I was told that he was going to be staying at my apartment with me. And that was the, yeah, Interesting. And that, was, that was the beginning. And um, that was the, the first week. So wait, there was only, wait, there was only one bed. Ah, there must have been another bed in there, I'm imagining. Okay, <laughs> yeah. he slept somewhere else. Yeah, That's good. Okay. All right, you guys worked that yeah. out. That's good. <laughs> Did he speak English? Oh, yeah, haltingly. He spoke French. He, yeah, he spoke French and, okay. and, and halting English. Okay. Yeah. You could make you could yeah, make your some way, way somehow. somehow. Yeah. Some way, somehow. That sounds crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane. So you're in Italy, in this place you've never been. You're in this like weird warehouse with a bed that's like gigantic. That sounds kind of alienating. It was. Man. I mean, it was it was yeah. one of those weeks where you really have to wonder why am I here? What have Why I done? I and how am I going to extract myself from this situation as quickly as possible? You're already like, I have to exit. You're like, I got to go home now. Yeah, immediately traumatized. Completely. But then you didn't actually leave. So what happened? How'd you turn the corner from traumatized? I think what happened was friends. Um, 
and, and meeting people and at least being open to the idea that as my father reiterated, you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And there are aspects of being in uncomfortable situations that you may not see it at the time, but there's a reward at the end. And so I had that degree, some kind of faith, I think, walking into the whole idea. And then the world kind of opened up in a way. Um, and that's why I stayed. I mean, the first thing happened, I would say that there was an extended period of alienation where you're trying to find your bearings and the language thing is an issue. But as I said, there were people right. around who I could communicate with and being in the beginnings of, of my career in the quote unquote art world, you always somehow right. can make your way. No matter where you are in the world, some way you can make your way. And so there was some of that. You always end up at a nice party with some wine and art and it's all all right. It's all right. Exactly. Yeah, it's all good. At the end of the day, exactly. like, yeah, it's not so bad. Exactly. Right. So what do you mean? You said something really important, I think, about putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you mean? Uncomfortable? Why is there something good about that? So I think I had a little bit of an experience already with that. So when I was little mm -hmm. and my parents divorced, my mother moved from New York City to Albany, New York. And it was absolutely traumatizing. And it was a series of traumas for the next three and a half years until I decided I couldn't take it anymore. And I moved back down to New York with my father. But I, at that point, I knew, right, because that happened between fifth and eighth grade, fourth and eighth grade. And so okay. at that point, I knew that there was something on the other side of that. I learned a lot in that process. I have friends from Albany that I actually still talk to. My history or, or, or with, with soccer flourished there. Um, little things. Which came in handy yeah. in Italy. Yeah. Little things Very that you just handy. don't think about. So I yes. didn't know that there was some of that possibility. And that gave me some, some degree okay. of faith along with, um, along with the friend factor. Right. And when you say faith, I mean, are you a religious person or what kind of faith, what kind of faith are you talking more about? More creative faith. And the idea that Ooh. creatively you're going to have to think of new ways to go about your day. And I think that also, it right. also goes into some degree of spiritual faith, whether you, you know, take it in a religious way or not, right? There is, I believe, a uh, spirituality that, that we all have to be in touch with in some fashion in order to make it through this life. So there were definitely was that, and that, I, that came into play. But I really can't discount the fact that overwhelmingly the people I met, I mean, and people who I'm very close to still, that was the that was it. I mean, that was really the big thing. Tell us a story about like who's like one of the people that you remember really clearly about that time. Oh. Tell us a story about how do you met them? How did well, you meet them? Jen and I obviously met because we had the same um, position, and she ended up staying on in Italy right. with her um, boyfriend at the time. And so, so there was that connection, but then also there's a guy named Josco who um, we are still friends. And that really was the kind of, um, you know, ace to be there all the time. And we not only would, you know, hang out entirely too late at clubs, listening to like crazy drum and bass and 
electronic music that you know was so new to me but also so much fun but nice he, his family lived in a little town called Caverno in um Ticino in Switzerland and we used to drive up there on the weekends very yeah. nice really really nice and really fun that was key and it also it also made me reread probably for only the second or third time at that point James Baldwin um Stranger and Stranger and, and yeah so you know <laughs> If you're if you're interested in literature and any degree of creativity, and yeah. then you get into that, then you can make your 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 own kind of space within it. So you got you found a main man, Josco, yeah. right? And then what was you made a really cool reference to James Baldwin, Stranger. So what was the what was what was the connection between that literature and you getting yeah, to this period? It was literally like that was the blueprint for what you were going through, and you didn't know that there was a blueprint. Okay. Um, he ta- it's a, a story about the time he spent living in 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 Switzerland. Um, you know, being the only black dude there, right. and 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 people like right. touch your hair, like that kind of that that whole kind oh, of thing. Geez. And like I didn't experience that in the city because you know I'm in a big capital. It's fashion central. But yeah. I did go to places right. like the island of of Filicudi, like way down south. And that was definitely a thing. Like, can, can I touch your hair? Wow. Yeah. So that kind of wow. um that kind of sense of difference, but also innocent difference, right? It's not the same as mm-hmm. it's not the same. Does it come with an abrasion? of of we are different i don't like you you know there wasn't that type of immediacy it was more a curiosity type of of conversation which made it really i think a fascinating way to experience that it was also at a time yeah. of kind of american weird xenophobia in some ways um you know there was a big base in northern italy and they had had an mm. incident around this time where uh a, an American plane clipped a gondola. Um, oh, and no. you definitely felt a sense of, wow, I'm more American than I am Black today. Like, is that even possible? Because uh, I've never experienced that, except for, you know, right. later other places. But that was that was, uh, that was weird. But it was also different and, and huh. probably refreshing in some ways. Oh, and the yeah. other thing is you lose, um, sometimes when you lose your, your tether and you don't have the the chance to go back anymore right so i would say it was probably only gosh november december by january my my relationship was gone um bye bye (laughs) yeah you know and that was a that was a funny one oh i'm sure josco introduced you to some very nice young ladies right away no no maybe but you know Come but on, it's still, Milan. I mean, Come when on. you're having it's your first, like, you know, significant, I was first living relationship. So you still That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Emotionally. And then you're like, yeah, oh, shit. That was tough. And then you're away. Now I'm really alone. Yeah. Oh, no. So you would kind of like, you kind of thought you'd had, you'd reached a level and then that yeah. dropped out. Did you feel like you had to like kind of re-equalize oh, yeah, after that too? Oh, because then you really, because yeah. it's over. Now you have to keep moving forward. You, there's no going back, which is also, you know, a silver lining, right? Good. Good <laughs> yeah. to go forward. It made, it really made the next year and a half the best thing that it possibly could have been, right? I didn't have any, there was no looking back. And from what I remember... That was kind of that was kind of a turning point for you in a lot of ways. Like your career really 100%. took off after you came back 
Yeah, if you came back, you were like you were like a new man. One hundred percent. If you had stayed, what do you think would have happened if you'd stayed in New York instead of going to Milan at that time? Wow, it's such a tough thing. I, I I've actually have no idea, but I would never have had the breath that uh, I think I've needed since then. Um, mm-hmm. So I would imagine I'd be relatively happy doing something in the realm of what I'm doing, but I wouldn't be me. Because I remember like the whole LACMA thing also was that was a big cultural shift for you. An East Coaster, a New Yorker going to LA, that's almost as extreme as moving to Milan, yeah. right? But you know what I think was even more extreme, and I'm not sure how you did it, but going from New York to Houston was, whoa, that was way different. Oh, yeah. That'll set you back. I was shocking. Whoa. But again, in beautiful ways, right? So wait, 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 wait. We can't let you get away with that. So what was was the most shocking thing about the transition to Houston? Um, Aside from the fact that there's a rodeo and... You know, like trucks and like everything. everything. <laughs> oh, All of it. Um, I mean, aside from every cliche, which is actually true, they're not cliches. They're genuine. True. And you're like, this is not right. possible. But they're totally genuine. Yeah. Um, aside from that, then then the good things come in because then it's like, oh my gosh, the outdoors. I've never even lived yes. like this. I've never even thought about the possibility of living that close proximity to a physical kind of experience outside on a daily right. basis. And and obviously it had a profound effect because I've never let that go since. That's so cool. Do you think that you would have been open to moving to Miami if you hadn't had these kind of experiences before? No way. No way. No. And see, that's amazing because what you're doing now is like huge. I mean... You're the director of the Perez Art Museum. My it's friend Franklin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's totally Thank amazing, you. right? Fun. But if you'd stayed in one place and like kind of taken the safe route, you'd probably be running a museum in New York. Let's be honest. I don't think so. It's yeah, different. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you probably would. You probably would. New York still, and I think this is somewhat, it's Achilles heel right now is that You've been the center of the universe for so long, you don't know how to look outside of it, right? And when I think about the Mm -hmm. things that are happening, even in a place like LA, which is in the scope of things so much younger in a way, right? Like if we talk about museums in New York, you've got to go back to like the real European transition, 19th century, whereas that doesn't exist in LA, Um, so amazing no. things happen in these places where you haven't been that. And so I'm not sure I could have like adapted to that mm. in a sense, because all my assets are about having experiences somewhere else in a way. And being in a place like Miami, that relates directly to most of the population, which comes from somewhere else. Right. You know? Right. So there's something that works That's so here true. that might not work in other places. Because you're kind of an art explorer, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. And that kind of started, you being an art explorer kind of started with that year and a half. Was it year? How long were you in 96 to 98. Two years. Unbelievable. I just remember I would get these phone calls and it would be like (laughs) crackling on the line because, you know, it was like the dark ages. I'd be like, oh, it's Franklin. The dark ages. (laughs) It's true. The dark ages. You're like, oh. 
<laughs> it's my friend in your room. Hard to imagine. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know that you're super busy exploring new artists all over the globe and doing fabulous shows as usual. Um, what's your next big show that you're curating at the oh, press? Well, I got to say, I'm not curating it, but I'm so you're not psyched. Curating. I mean, okay. I am. But the next one that I'm super psyched about is we're doing this exhibition on Marisol, uh, Marisol Escobar and uh, Andy Warhol Very combined. Cool. Um, yeah, and it's what? Marisol and Warhol take New York and they both came to the city and around the same time, late 50s, early 60s, and embarked upon their careers together. Warhol had Marisol be in his films, like most of the early ones. Um, she right. did a sculpture of him as early as 1961. I mean, it's just, it's, oh, it's so cool. amazing, you know, and it's the way... That's so cool. Like it's the right way to do it. Like for us to try and do Warhol the way you would in New York or San Francisco just doesn't make sense. So here Marisol mm -mm. will be the, I think the vehicle to a, a greater understanding of him and of art. Of course. So I'm really psyched. That's such a great, that's such a great way of framing, you know, an introduction to Warhol in Miami, right? Because there's someone that was close to him. That's so integral true to oh, Miami right. history and people really embrace her. So that's great. And it's going to be multimedia, indeed, right? Indeed. So you'll have the films playing, that you'll have sculptures and paintings. Yeah. And when's that going to, well, when is that? Well, museum speak, you know, that's April of 22. Next. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, that's good because hopefully by then people can actually go to a museum <sighs> opening, which will be know. great. I oh. know, I know, I know. Oh my goodness. This has to be over Soon, man. right? Sometime. Yes, I think it's going to be over very soon. I think it's going to be over very so. soon. But the thing is, if this hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have been able to get you on the phone because you'd be oh, so please. damn busy running around doing all these fabulous things in Miami. So it turned out to be pretty lucky for me that there was COVID. <laughs> I'll right? take it like that, but come on. <laughs> it's uh, true. Nobody had time to talk on the phone, you know, in normal sure. life. It's, it's kind of weird. Well, thank you so well, yeah, thank much. You. So, so good, good to, to see you. you. I, I wish I could hug you. <laughs> All right, okay. I'll talk to you Thank later. You. Thank you all for joining the conversation today. Remember, stay present and share your story. Stories bring us together, and together we all win. Stories from the Brink is produced by Billy Robinson, hosted by me, Maya Brown, music by Octopus Kid. Octopus Kid.